0: Welcome to the Comics Misremembered Podcast with your hosts Jim and John, and here's the opening music. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Comics Misremembered podcast where we talk about comics and comic-related items. I'm your host, Jim, and John is still recovering. Uh, the podcast we're going to do today is podcast number 294. The subject matter that we'll be covering today is going to be uh, the Stan Lee and Mobius Silver Surfer Parable. Uh, it was a two-issue miniseries that came out through Impact, or Epic, I'm sorry, through Imp- Epic back in uh, 1988, and we're going to be covering that for today's podcast and talk about a uh, parable, how timely the story is. is probably going to be timely no matter when it's read or, or you know talked about, uh, but we're going to talk about <laughs> about how timely it is in today in modern times in the year 2021. Uh, we're going to go over some history, a um, little history about Stan Lee, a little history about Mobius, who he is, a uh, little history about Silver Surfer, because in order for you to um, kind of really appreciate Parable, um, you do have to know about the the, hist- the the brief history I'm going to talk about between Silver Surfer and Galactus. Uh, so we're going to get into it very very shortly, but before we do that, as always, I play a little piece of music that's related to what we'll be talking about. Uh, The music today, uh, you know, and John, normally when he's here, he would guess at the music. I'm sure that uh, if he was here today, he would definitely get this song. Like, because this is one of his band's favorite bands, one of my favorite bands. The song is Head Like a Hole, and the band is Nine Inch Nails. Um, We played other Nine Inch Nails clips uh, as pre-recorded intro music. And I've always mentioned how much I appreciate Nine Inch Nails, and John likes Nine Inch Nails as well. Uh, they are a band um, constantly modernizing uh, their sound, uh, taking in, you know, they don't live in a vacuum. They, uh, they like to take bits of information that's going on in the world around them um, and incorporate it into their, their music and sound. Uh, back when George Bush was in office, they put out an album uh, that was talking, that was like political called Year Zero. And uh, it was a concept album. And it's talking about uh, people who uh, who don't who are not like similar to each other and making them disappear and things of that nature. I uh, and one of the songs is called Capital G, so it was you know an anti-Bush George Bush song because that was that he was in office at the time. And uh, it's talking about well, the um, trampling of civil rights and a lot of other very interesting songs. I would highly recommend checking it out if you've you've never listened to any Nine Inch Nails. So, but they can be political. So all that is to say, they can be very political at times. This song, um, Head Like a Hole, is about power, wanting power, and then uh, how the power can corrupt. That's an interpretation of the song. That's how I'm going to interpret it, because that's what we're going to be using for the comic series uh, Parable that we'll be talking about. Let me just, uh, you might say to yourself, well, parable, that sounds like a familiar word. Uh, What, you know, I've heard that before. So we've talked about parables and other comic mediums and other stories that we've covered. Um, But if you don't know what parable means, let me give you uh, a quick uh, definition of the word. So a parable is a succinct didactic story in prose or verse that illustrates one or more instructive lessons or principles. It differs from a fable, because in fables, they employs an animal or plants or inanimate objects or forces of nature as characters, whereas parables have human characters. A parable is a type of metaphorical analogy. Or to put it even more simply, it's a story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson, as told by Jesus in the Gospels. So these are definitions that I pulled uh, from dictionary.com, from Webster's, from other sources uh, to illustrate, you know what what is a parable and uh, what is its purpose. So it's going to be a story. It, in this case, it's going to be a story about um, it's going to be a story about both morality and also spirituality, uh, as we talk about it, uh, and it's going to uh, illustrate a moral and spiritual lesson uh, as we go into it. So very interesting uh, comic series comic. Uh, that we'll be going into today. Let me give you a little synopsis. If you've never heard a parable, never read parable, um, this is a synopsis of the story. One of the old-time great storytellers of the Silver Surfer, by the legendary Stan the Man Lee and visionary French artist Jean Girard, also known as Mobius, as a stunning as stunning now as it was thirty years ago. Yes, I'm reading the thirtieth anniversary edition. A star falls on Earth. Panic grips the planet as mankind prepares for its inevitable end. But the star is a ship, and inside, a god. All he asks is adoration. Overcome with relief, man rushes to obey. There is only one voice of dissent that will not be silenced, the Silver Surfer, who recognizes the god as his former master. But why has Galactus encouraged mankind to live down to his darkest nature? The Sentinel of the Spaceways stars in this bewitching tale of man's folly and nobility. So, very good description of what we're going to be talking about. And now I would like to talk about uh, the the history of Silver Surfer. So, um, if you're not familiar with Silver Surfer and uh, Galactus, it's um, we got to talk about their original meeting and pairing. Uh, so I pulled this off of. Uh, Wikipedia, I believe. The Silver Surfer debuted as an unplanned addition to the superhero team, comic team, Fantastic Four, number 48, which came out in March 1966. The comic writer-editor, Stan Lee, and its penciler and co-plotter, Jack Kirby, had by the mid-60s developed a collaborative technique known as the Marvel Method. And what that is, is the two would discuss story ideas, Kirby would work up a brief synopsis and draw the individual scenes, and Stan Lee would take all the credit. I'm joking. Uh, what would happen is the the Marvel method is the two would discuss story ideas first. Then Kirby would, from a brief synopsis, draw the individual scenes and plot details with Lee finally adding the dialogue and captions. When Kirby... Uh, oh, actually, I should have done this. I'm a little bit slow today. I'm sorry about that. I got to get used to my, using my uh, sound buttons. Uh, when when Kirby turned his pencil art into, in for a story, he included a character he and Lee had not discussed, as, re, as Lee recalled in 1995. There, in the middle of the story we had so carefully worked out, was a nut on some sort of flying surfboard. Um, he later uh, expanded on this, recalling, I thought, Jack, this time you've gone too far. Kirby explained that his story agreed upon an antagonist, a godlike cosmic predator of planets named Galactus should have some sort of herald and that he uh, created the surfboard because of, and this is his reason, because I'm tired of drawing spaceships. Taken by the noble features of this new character, who turned out to be his master and helped defend Earth, Lee uh, overcame his initial skepticism and began adding characterization. The Silver surface soon became a key part of the unfolding story. And this was, again, Fantastic Four number 48, which was uh, the start of what's known as the Galactic Trilogy, uh, which is issues 48, 49, and 50 of the um, Fantastic Four. Now, why is this important, and why talk about that? Well, a couple of things came out of this. Um, That trilogy had Galactus coming to Earth, and uh, the Silver Surfer would—his purpose would— Search out planets that Galactus could eat and destroy. All Galactus does is he exists in the world, and he eats planets, and he destroys them, and then he moves on until his hunger, which is never-ending, makes him go to the next planet, which he's going to devour. And how does Galactus devour a planet? He basically sink, sinks into the middle of the planet to its core. This fractures the, the planet into um, particles and then explodes and out of that, uh, Galactus gets some kind of a nourishment through that. Galactus always traveled in a um, a ship, uh, which looks like a, a moon, essentially like a giant metallic moon. Um, and Silver Surfer would be his herald at this point in time in Fantastic Four. So, what happens is Silver Surfer comes down to um, the planet Earth, and he meets the people first, and he starts to be. Um, he starts to like what he sees. He says humanity has so much potential. Uh, he himself was like uh, a, a, a human living on his own planet when Galactus struck and destroyed the planet, and, and then Galactus chose him to be his uh, herald. So he doesn't want to see Earth be destroyed. So he works with Reed Richards, smartest man on the planet at the time, to f- fight and and get rid of Galactus. And They do that with an object called the ultimate nullifier. And I guess the, um, I'm trying to remember this. The ultimate nullifier, if used by Reed Richards, it would nullify the universe. It would destroy the universe. So it's basically a Mexican standoff. uh, Galactus, if you eat the earth, we're going to destroy you and the universe or just destroy Galactus. I can't remember. It's been a long, 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 long time since I read the reprints of that. Uh, but it, it, it's something like that. It was some kind of standoff where Galactus is the one first to blink and um, and say to them that I am um, not going to eat the earth today. And Silver Surfer made him have a vow, which is that I am not going to eat the earth today and nor shall I ever come back to eat the earth. Now, at this point, because of um, the impetuous nature of the Silver Surfer, Galactus uh, then uh, takes away his power to leave the planet Earth. And now Silver Surfer is now stranded because of his wanting to save the Earth. And Galactus takes off. Uh, so Silver Surfer now has to work to trying to get off the Earth. And, he, and that is later stories to, to go on. that. But the the important facts of coming out of that trilogy is Galactus tried to destroy the Earth, or consume the Earth, which would destroy it, that is. And Silver Surfer stopped him and then made him vow never to come back again to destroy the Earth. And Galactus goes by this vow. Okay, that's why it's important. The other item that I brought up in through that is uh, talking about uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and the Marvel method and the way that they do things. Because this is going to be important with the... Um, the new creative team that's going to do Parable. Let me, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, Mobius. His real name is Jean Girard and uh, talk about uh, like what, a little bit of of what he's done. And this is a very brief history about Mobius. So Mobius started drawing at at age 18 and he did a lot of Western uh, backup comics and he moved on to full stories. And he did this through some of the popular uh, comics in France at the time. He wanted his work to be as realistic as possible and he worked on anatomy, composition and details in the later stories that he would transcribe. Uh, This would lead into his 1962-1963 Blueberry series, which um, with the help of uh, uh, Jean-Michel Chandler, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong too, I'm sorry, Um, in a Western story featuring uh, Gauche uh, artwork. So, uh, very detailed, painted, a gauche is a, like a painter's style, a watercolor style, and, um, but also but very detailed. And it, this was in 62, 63, westerns were the things, westerns were on TV, western comics were king at the comic racks, uh, both here in America and uh, I guess over there in, in France at the time. And uh, so Blueberry started circulating around. Uh, it got collected in trades. And this got sent over to America. People started buying it. And uh, so Mobius started becoming a name in the underground. Well, in the underground scene here was, you know, he's popular in Europe. And, but America still had to be introduced to Mobius. Uh, so he Mobius will then go on to... Uh, get out of the Western scene after Blueberry, and start getting into more science fiction scene. He started working on a comic magazine called Metal Hurlant, um, I believe, and that was the predecessor to the American version, which was Heavy Metal, uh, which is basically the sister magazine to Metal Hurlant. And Hurlant was a anthology series. Most of the stories that were in that dealt with science fiction and uh, Mobius would contribute uh, strips and his own stories to that, and they would later be collected into um, bigger trades. And, uh, like, for example, uh, did I write? So, yeah, this is, as Mobius, he created a wide uh, range of science fiction and fantasy comics in um, a highly imaginative, surreal, almost abstract style. These works would be uh, collected and called "Azorak and the Airtight Garage of uh, Jerry Cornelius, he also collaborated with avant-garde filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky for an unproduced adaptation of Dune and the comic book series The Incal. And I bought The Incal... I've never read The Incal. I actually haven't read Blueberry either, and I want to read Blueberry. Uh, and so I bought The Incal um, to read, pot- potentially maybe for a future podcast, uh, but it looks very interesting. The That was also... Um, Jodorowsky help him write that series, though. And the whole thing about Dune. If um, if you've never seen Jodorowsky's Dune, which is a documentary about Jodorowsky trying to make Dune back in the seventies uh, with the help of Mobius, it's fantastic, fantastic documentary. I highly recommend it. And um, it's it's a great if it's if you like filmmaking, if you like movie making, if you like stories and history about movie making. Even if you don't care about Dune or you have no, you know, I don't care about Dune or science fiction. If you just like stories about movies and filmmaking, that movie is fantastic because I love how um, the story is about how they produce the story, how they try to get the rights to the story and uh, how they try to get the the movie filmed. And then how through that you got to meet other writers that would go on to do other projects and bigger projects. it's just fantastic. I'm gonna to have to go back and watch that one again too I've I haven't I've seen it in a few years and uh, I just remember I watched when I first watched it, I loved it I, lo- I thought it was a great fan. So another thing that you're gonna get out of this podcast is uh, recommendations that I'm going to make um, <laughs> that I think about when I start talking about the comic book series. D- uh, Jadorowski's dune highly recommend it. Um, I haven't read Jadorowski's spinoff so he couldn't make dune. But he was really infatuated with the concept of Dune and the characters of Dune, so because he doesn't have the rights to make anything regarding Dune uh, after after his bid to try to do it, he basically goes on and makes his own comic version of Dune, um, in the Dune series uh, and that's called the Meta Barons. And I've never read the Meta Barons, and this is another book that I've kind of put off, and I want to read. So the I bought the incal I want to buy um blueberry and I should go ahead and purchase the meta Barons collected trades I know there's like two or three that exist out there uh, and I want to check those those out as well so a lot of recommendations I'm making for both myself and for you uh to to kind of like you know explore other avenues and other styles and other influence you know it, the, these Uh, I like reading European comics because they're always culturally different, or they'll have cultural differences uh, than what you get with your traditional American comics that that you're reading. Uh, So that's why I would recommend checking these things out. Okay, so we've talked about Mobius, we've talked about Stan Lee, and, um, and the funny thing too about Stan Lee is that Stan Lee didn't know about Silver Surfer going to be put into Fantastic Four, but then as time goes on, Stan Lee would become very acquainted with Silver Surfer and it would almost be like his trademark character because he would go on to write um, multiple Silver Surfer stories, multiple um, hardcover one-shot stories. Uh, this is the uh, the beginning of it, I believe, uh, with Parable. Uh, I don't believe... Yeah, I can't remember now. I, he, but he does go on to write several other ones after Parable. Um... The thing about Parable, though, is uh, this book goes on. It was produced. So let's talk a little bit about Parable itself, the history of the book. The, con- the Parable is basically uh, a comic that was a two-part issue miniseries printed by the Under the Epic imprint from 1988 to 1989. It took a full year to make two comics. The miniseries won the Eisner Award for Best Finite Limited Series back in 1989, and it has been argued that these stories actually featured an alternative Silver Surfer from a parallel Earth, due to inconsistencies with each other's stories. Okay, so we'll talk about that too as we go through par- Parable. So I've gone through all the history of everything that you need to know to be updated, to, if you wanted to read this book. Now I'm going to. It's a two-issue se- miniseries. Uh, there's, there's not a lot that I can't spoil for you or, or save you from spoilers, but it, 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 it is a parable, a parable meaning, um, yeah, I have to tell you the story to get you to, to the point of the story or to get you to the end of the story. So a major spoilers here, even though I'm going to be not talking in, um, a lot of specific details about the story, I'm going to be talking a lot of generalities uh, of the story, this doesn't mean that uh, you you won't get anything out of it if you went ahead and purchased it and read it on your own. I highly recommend picking it up and, and reading it. I was able to get the thirtieth anniversary edition, which is like a soft cover uh, comic book itself. Uh, it's only two issues. It has some uh, backup story in it, and it, it's it also it has the story of how Mobius met Stan Lee, and then uh, about the process that that Mobius uh, went through to. Create this, and I'm going to talk about that. I want to talk about that a little bit before we get into the story. So I mentioned uh, the Marvel Method process, uh, so you understand what that means. Now let's talk about Mobius and what he's used to, and how did he meet Stan Lee? Mobius uh, at a California uh, Comic Con. I think it was uh, WonderCon, the big, the the big, uh, the San Diego Comic Con that is nowadays. And um, he read Blueberry, so he was familiar with his uh, Western work, and he knew, loved his art, and knew that he wanted to work with this person. Just like how he loved Jack Kirby, and he fell in love with Jack Kirby's art, he fell in love with Mobius' art. So he says he, he, he wants to do, um, and, uh, like a project with him uh, regarding Silver Surfer. So Mobius, you know, wants to get into more American comics and get his name out to American kids. So he's like, of course I w- I will work with you. Let's do this project. Uh, so he <laughs> Stanley introduces him to the the Marvel method, which is that they they do agree to do project. He meets with him and he tells gives him kind of an outline about what he wants the story to be. And he gives him the freedom to create the story and then he's going to go ahead and put the dialogue in later after he does the pages. So Mobius pitches him some ideas about how he wants to do the layouts. Stanley agrees on these ideas. And then, so now Mobius has to put the uh, pages together and then send them to Stanley so that he can put the script in. This is a very unique style. Uh, I don't know how many other uh, comic companies were doing it at this time. This is 1988. and uh, Or how many comic companies do this now. I think the more traditional style that comic prose follow is that uh, a writer, when you're doing a writer artist collaboration, uh, they, they will get together to kind of like go over what the story is going to be about and the characters, who's going to be involved, and maybe get like a feedback and forth about the description of the characters and what their motivations are. And then the writer would actually write up a script. And it was just, it would be an out, it would just be like the dialogue. And maybe a vague description about like what the scene should look like. Some writers can be very um, specific and get panel by panel, and this is what it should be be on. I remember I read Alan Moore's script for Watchmen. If you if you ever get the the uh, Watchmen trades that have the additional material, like the Absolute Edition, and you see like Alan Moore was super specific about what he wanted and what the panel should like look like, and he's easy. He's even writing details in like the he, write, he writes the script and then he writes details in the margins, like even more information that he thought of later. Uh, so, But I mean, not everybody's like that. Every, most of the time you're going to get a script. It's going to be some words and a kind of description of like what it's going to look like. The interior uh, house, the interior spaceship, so on and so forth. And, uh, and then the artist takes that script and starts making pages based on what the script says. And this is how Mobius has always worked. He's worked with... You know, a writer when it came to uh, Blueberry, he's worked with writers on other projects and other comics over in Europe as well. So this is what he's used to getting a get working with a person, getting a script, putting the pages together. And in the back of um, Parable, there's a a couple of interviews. One is Mobius uh, talking about his experience working with Stanley and learning this Marvel method. And it, he said it frightened him that he actually put off drawing the panels until. The pages, the artwork, until like the very last minute that he could put it off um, before getting into it. And why did it frighten him so much? Because he had so much freedom. That Stanley gave him so much freedom to do whatever he wanted that he didn't know what to do. He was he would rather be told like draw Silver Surfer in this panel and then draw Galactus in this panel and then this is what the spaceship should look like and this is what the Earth should look like and these are the pe- the characters going to be involved. He wanted to be that specific. But he's, over time, when he started creating the pages, he started to love this style. He started to be, because now he's like, I, I'm able to kind of tell my side of the story and get more input into it into it than a traditional story, scripted story. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting for Mobius is that he's a guy, he's been working in the comic industry for 20 years at this point, you know, back in the 60s. Now this is 1988. And he's intimidated by, you know, having all this freedom um, and having And I think maybe through this process, maybe even encourage him to want to go on and write and draw his own projects that he knew that, you know, if I can do this, I can do anything. And then I get my foot in the American door and I can expand my marketplace and so on and so forth. Um, so that I that was an interesting thing that I pulled out of that. So the Marvel method. Is something that Mobius really came to to love. Now let's talk about the actual final project. Uh, it, like I said, it was made as a in Eclipse, uh, an Epic. I keep on saying Eclipse because that's a different comic company. I don't know where my brain's going. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Maybe a little of this. Less... Okay, Epic. It was Epic Comics. That's where where the, it was produced. Epic, of course, is an imprint of Marvel. And I believe it was done this way because, one, it does have a mature element to it. There's no nudity in this, in this comic. There is no um, violence. Well, there's a little bit of violence, but it's very minimal. But really, it's kind of mature themes. This is a very political comic uh if you if you take it that way uh, and you should take it that way because it it is it's in this case what we have is uh let's i'm going to start talking about the story and we have uh, galactus coming down to the planet earth and you have this narration going um by this unseen voice that remembers when galactus first arrived back to earth and i'm just going to read you some of the narration that is going through i am asleep when it first appears i sleep too much these days for some sleep is a resting from days endeavors for me it's an escape from reality and from this reality i shall find no escape and as the is going on this object is you know burning through the skies and it's uh you it, the they don't give you any kind of, there's not a lot of specific details about the city that the person is in not a lot of details about the characters who's who the names are, but that's okay because that's not important a parable is not about the details of the story a parable is telling the story to have some kind of moral or spiritual point so this is is this unnamed undescriptive city kind of reminds me of los angeles because it's very flat and there's uh, very scenic views and Maybe this is what Mobius wanted to draw because you know he didn't know a lot about New York so he's like, I'm just gonna make this like, like nondescript city that's kind of broad and flat. And uh, as the narration goes on, um, we have this man he is um, he doesn't have any home uh, and he has kind of like this surfboard looking thing that's all uh, packaged up that he's hauling around and he's being harassed by two police officers and these police officers, are wearing kind of these orange police uniforms. Now, this is also the thing about Parable is it doesn't have a specific time. It doesn't need to have a specific time. But again, this was written in 1988. If I was to give this a time frame, I would say that it's in the near future. So maybe like 1999, maybe 2010, something of that nature, because it's the uh, technology that they're using in this story is not... Super advanced, but it looks like it was more advanced than the modern day of 1988. So these orange-clad, uniformed cops, uh, they're asking him, what's this, uh, what's this thing that he's got wrapped up? It looks like we uh, caught us a looter or something that he stole. Okay, punk, on your feet. We're talking to you. Too heavy to be an ironing board. I'll open it up and we'll see what's in there. And then all of a sudden the hand of the man the who's sitting there, not harassing anybody, other than the cops harassing him, reaches out to stop him from trying to open it. And he tells him that it's his. And the narration goes on. I don't want to hurt them, but if I must, my arm, that grip was like, policeman one says and policeman two, resistant arrest. Resisting arrest, huh? Okay, mister, you just bought it. And at this point, uh, a blind light appears to stop the police uh, from getting this homeless man. And the uh, we're going back to what the blind light is. And the blinding light is a giant spaceship. Now, remember when I told you Galactus Galactus spaceship was a giant orb, a giant metallic orb. It looks like a small moon. Uh, I get the name. I can't remember the name of his ship, ship now. I'm sure somebody's going to remember it out there. Uh, I, I just couldn't remember the name off the top of my head. But Mobius doesn't take the classic Galactus ship. I want to say Constellation. It's not Constellation. The giant orb ship. Instead, he makes a, lot, a really phallic-looking ship. It has a base where the rockets come out that's very round and bulbous. Then there's a giant shaft. And then there's the top, which is, again, round and bulbous. And the bottom is wider than the top. And, it's, and it stands up erect like that. And the ship comes down. Now, I don't know the purpose or its intent, but this is what Mobius liked. And maybe this is the European style, the European model of the new Galactus ship. So the giant shaft comes down. (laughs) Okay, thank you. And uh, it it, uh, lands in this unnamed city. And from it uh, emerges Galactus. Now... Let's talk about a little bit back to the history again. So remember, we had the story about Galactus coming down and trying to get eat Earth, and then so eating Earth would destroy Earth. And then Reed Richards and Silver Surfer made Galactus go bye bye. Well, after that happens, um, days later, the populace of New York—this is where it happened—start uh, saying like the media start saying like that never happened. There was no giant there. This was just a giant hoax. giant space aliens don't exist out in the real world this is also again i'm I'm interpreting this as the future and so on this planet the people can't remember what galactus is or what his purpose or what he looked like so when this galactus lands on back on earth in his giant spaceship giant penis ship and he gets out and he starts walking he doesn't really walk he kind of just gets out and stands there and I am Galactus, people start seeing him, and they believe he is kind of like God incarnate, that he is the divinity, and he is hope for humankind, and Galactus never claims that he's God, Galactus never gives any instructions that he is here to save anybody, but he also doesn't deny that he's any of these things. And so the more people say to him that, you know, you are the hope of humanity, the more he takes it and then goes, runs with it. And then that in turn, his silence, it means that he is the hope of humanity. That's how people interpret it. And then, again, this is a parable, a parable about sometimes the people, uh, people and things aren't what they seem. And um, if you ask something for the truth and they don't respond, you can't assume that this is the truth. This is also going for leadership. Uh, you know, we've, we've had a tough political year these last four years, uh, and we had somebody stating that he was going to be, uh, this is Donald Trump, of course, stating he was going to um, make America great again. That was his tagline. And he would lead America to, like, everybody would be rich. So if you voted for him, he'd make everybody rich. He'd build a wall. He'd do all these great things. And, of course, at the end of the four years, just like every politician, he didn't do anything except make himself rich. And um, But even though you can use your eyes and your mind and you can see that everything that he said he was going to do didn't happen, people can argue, oh, but he put that wall up, that didn't really, He didn't really put up a wall. It was more like a giant fence. And so on and so forth. So, so I'm not going to get too political, but that's what's going on here with Galactus. As Galactus makes his appearance, comes down, and everybody starts assuming he's God and is going to save the planet. And even there's a, a man called Colt. So, there's, so start. this groups start popula- populating, stating... You know, they are the Church of Galactus, or they are the new divinity of Galactus, and so on and so forth. And uh, so this man uh, named Colt sees Galactus on TV, and he sees people starting to be drawn to him. And he believes that they're charlatans, and that he will be the true voice of Galactus. And he even says, "Um, I can't let those other charlatans get a jump on me. Galactus can make me the greatest evangelist of all. And he has a sister that's sitting there. Her, her name is Elena. And he says he frightens me, Colton. He seems so cold, so merciless. He doesn't. He displays not a single shred of emotion. And Colton says, "You know nothing of such things, Elena." My TV ministry once reached millions around the globe, but this, but the public is fickle. I'm losing col- converts. Galactus will change all that. How, Colton? How do you speak in these reels? or why do you speak in these reels? You're my brother and I love you and I have never understood you. Wait till you see my next telecast. So Colton goes on to say like, you know, he is going to be the conduit, the speaker of um, Metatron. Is that the word for it? Metatron? Uh, he'd be the voice of Galactus because Galactus says nothing. He's always constantly silent and looking. And then as time goes on, um, Galactus just stays there and more people start to get, it, believe Galactus is the way. And anybody who says, well, he doesn't do anything. He just stands there. Anybody who says that is is labeled an anti-god. And uh, you're not an atheist, but an anti-god. And I like that terminology, anti-god. And they uh, would beat them down to silence them. So again, makes more parallels about what's going on with the political arena. Even though people are trying to use logic to say that this, per- this is not a god, and try to use words to, logical words, to describe... That, that, you know, you shouldn't believe the things that are happening. Uh, these people maniacally follow uh, the god, and anybody who opposes is immediately an enemy to the state. So, Silver Surfer sees all this happening. He sees that humanity beating the living snot out of each other over who's the better worshipper of um, Galactus. And, but, you, but he also sees that Galactus is not destroying... The world, and uh, he meets uh, he he meets with Eliza, who again the sister of the evangelist, uh, to try to speak some sense to her. And he says, "Your brother is driven by a lust for power in the name of the religion. He will subvert mankind." And she says, "How can you be sure of this?" And he says, "Well, how can you not? Does he not? This is so far again. Does he not expose the teachings of Galactus, thus making a mockery of all that man t- man has achieved?" Eliza. But Galactus is a god. Surely we must be obey. Surfer. Obey. Obey when children destroy the schools. Obey. Um, r- reports of a brother turning against brother, the imprisonment of the poor and helpless. And she says, I have those same thoughts. But I felt guilty because I lacked faith. Faith without judgment merely degrades the spirit of the divine. I sought to forsake the human race, to leave the path- this pathetic world to its own mad devices. But perhaps I am the maddest of all, for I cannot turn away. And she says, what insane uh, conceit pos- possession of possesses you, you that you think you can defy, Galactus? You think you can make a difference? And he says, yes. For in truth, any man can make a difference. It is not given to us to know whether we shall succeed or not. In failure, there is no disgrace. It can be but one ultimate shame, the cowardice of not having tried. And she says, who are you? And he says, I am called the Silver Surfer. So I thought that was a very powerful um, opening. And it also shows you that Stan Lee can write some very compelling and and moving dialogue with people. And Stan Lee has always been uh, politically, if you ever read the Stan Lee soapboxes, you know, he's always talking about, like, the whatever the latest political thing that was going on. But he was never, he would never say, like, I'm pro-Democrat or I'm anti-Republican uh, or anything of that nature, pro-Republican. Uh, he would, but he would, he would be vague about his political stance, but he would give you words of wisdom. And words that you can live by. So Silver Surfer now is, is agreeing to get involved into this story. So he goes up to, to Galactus. And he says, um, he says, hey, Galactus, remember, you know, we fought. (laughs) This is my dialogue. He says, Galactus, I am here. And Galactus says, I knew you would come. Why have you broken your solemn pledge? Remember, we talked about that. You vowed never to come back and attack the planet Earth. Galactus speaking. No pledge has been broken. No attack made. I come in peace. But the damage you have done. I merely allow the unsuspecting humans to destroy themselves in my name. And then there's humans on the ground. Look up above. Something's flying near the all-powerful one. The white figure on a flying board. I've seen pictures of him. It's the silver surfer. Sur- surfer talking to a Galactus. Never before has mighty Galactus stooped to such deceit. And Galactus, never before has the great hunger so consumed me. And so you play God? Having pledged not to slay Earth by force, you will do so by guile. I cannot allow it. You cannot prevent it. And so Silver Surfer, he, they, the humans can't hear this conversation that Surfer and Galactus are having. Um, So he has to prove to the humans, humanity, that... This is a ruse. Galactus doesn't want to save you. Galactus wants to, you to destroy yourself so he can eat the planet. Because if there's nobody living on the planet, I might as well just eat it. So he flies down to where the tele- television uh, cameras are. And he says, and the television people, incredible. he and that board seem to be one. And uh, Silver Surface says, says from on high, as you were once, knew, uh, knew me as, uh, let's start over again. Let me let me start that dialogue and go over again. As you were once my herald, I wish you no harm. Take flight while you can. Oh, that must be Galactus talking. Galactus, I know you. You are beyond good and evil, but you swore never to harm this planet. Galactus speaking. More. I have harmed no one. I pledge to stop them from harming themselves. And then Surfer thinking, if only they could hear him. But his words were for me alone. My only recourse is to reason with them, to make them understand. So this is where now he's having the conversation. Galactus is mighty, his power awesome. But only the coward or sycophant worships power and might. See again, this is Stan Lee not taking any kind of political left or right leaning, but basically trying to state fact. That only people that worship power power are usually people of not sturdy stuff. They're cowards or sycophants. This is against Stanley speaking some homespun wisdom. What has divinity to do with the show of strength or abandonment of reason? Where is the, whole, uh, the holiness in brutality and greed? Flawed as man may be, he has ever aspired to be noble despite war and crime and poverty and pestilence the human spirit still burns bright. You must not let Galactus quench that flame. And now this is the humanity speaking. He's trying to turn us against Galactus. Kill the dirty, rotten anti-god. So again, he tries to use reason to the unreasonable, and they turn on him and want to attack him. And it's, it's at this point where Silver, where Galactus sees Silver Surfer, and um. Trying to sway the populace, he can't hear them though. Uh, the, what the populace is saying, so he starts attacking. Like you, Galactus has hand beams, eye beams, or hand beams really. I, I'm, I'm thinking of um, the dark side. He has the eye beams, so he has the the uh, hand beams, and he starts trying to attack him. And Silver Surfer is like you know, starts floating through the city, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and he starts evading Galactus's attack, and he, Galactus is destroying buildings and taking them down. Galactus is being not being very impartial at this point in the, the comic story. Now, as the story progresses on, I'm not going to read page for page, uh, and but as the story progresses on, um, you find that Eliza becomes more and more against uh, Colton, her, her brother, uh, his ideals, and she sees the truth in what Silver Surfer was saying. And more and more people start to fall in with Galactus, and what happens is um, Eliza is able to st- she she be- because her ideas become more radicalized against the Galactus Church ministry. Uh, she gets uh, put under uh, watch by soldiers of uh, Galactus of her brother Colton because Colton at this point gets becomes very powerful and he worships and he's trying to he's like if I could only communicate with Galactus. I would, be able, I would be the most powerful because I would be able to speak with God, essentially, instead of being a conduit of just speaking for God. So Eliza starts worrying about her brother, and uh, she she steals this helicopter, as I mentioned. And she's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to... And Silver Surfer are constantly at- antagonizing one another. Surfer would go away, but then eventually we come back when he sees things are getting worse instead of getting better. And so she flies this helicopter at the point where Surfer is um, at- antagonizing Galactus, and uh, she she gets shot in uh, stealing the helicopter. So it's I guess it, uh, it's through a vital organ, so she doesn't die right away. But she knows she's dying; she's in the presence dying. But she, the last thing she wants to do is is to smash this helicopter into Galactus to show he's not merciful, um, that he's a monster. So Silver, she she. Almost makes it, the copter starts going into a nosedive before um, it can hit Galactus, of course. And Surfer sees her, and he's like, she can sense that she's, uh, he has the power cosmic, and so he can sense that she's, or he can see that she's actually hurt. So he's going to use the power cosmic to stop the helicopter from falling, and get her out, and try to get her saved, or save her himself. I never uh, you know I I am not I can't say that I'm the biggest silver surfer guy knowing like I just know his name is Noran Rad that's his real real name and he loves his long lost love uh shall, shall, blah, 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 something like that <laughs> and uh the or maybe one of those for me and uh so so he's, he he so he has this power power cosmic and it kind of like is this kind of Uh, ex machina that it will fix all that ails you and he's going to use his power cosmic to try to save her and before he can do that galactus um shoots his beam and uh, hits silver surfer and this causes the helicopter to crash and she dies now this is a scene on tv because they're always filming silver surfer antagonizing galactus and uh because he, he People could see Surfer was going to attempt to try to save her. Uh, and, then, and then Galactus stopped that. Why would God allow somebody to be hurt, right? So this begins the tide, the turn, that maybe Galactus isn't what he seems, right? Maybe he's not a good guy. And that maybe the people that represent Galactus are not good people either. And then start, there's like these panels about people seeing this on TV, and they're like, you know, I I had my doubts, and this is kind of like putting my reservation. This also, you know, puts the domino effect where people start turning on Galactus, and then the president at this point in time decides it would be the time to attack and turn on Galactus because the woman got hurt. Oh, so, but this is kind of like a plot hole uh, with the story. This is my only my only quibble with this entire story. What really should have happened was that when Silver Surfer goes and tries to save Eliza, that Galactus shoots her either intentionally or accidentally, and um, and then people see that on TV that the brutality, like he's spiting he's spiting Silver Surfer for trying to save her, so he shoots the helicopter from doing that, and then everybody's like, "Wow, did you see? Her? Like he's not an unmerciful god." I think that would have worked out much better. But anyway, it still works. It still works. People now have doubts about Galactus and his validity of uh, deity. And so they start turning on him. And then the president orders people to fight uh, and take on Galactus. So at this point in the story, uh, Galactus grabs Silver Surfer. And he's got him in his hands, his giant godlike hands. And he's uh, smashing him. And he's talking about how he's like, this is the end for you, Silver Surfer. And uh, at this point, uh, jets start attacking him. Jet pilots start launching missiles, shooting machine guns. And uh, Galactus is like, oh, these things are not doing anything to Galactus. But at this this point, he, he realizes that it's over. Humanity is turning against me before everybody loved me. And if anybody said anything against me, humanity would attack itself and destroy itself. But now I have people who are going to fight against me. So they're going to fight against my servants and my sycophants. And uh, so I'm not going to get what I want. There's going to be people who actually have a working brain and reason and clear morality uh, that I'm going to, my ploy has uh, has fallen apart and now I must leave. So I tell Silver Surfer, you've won. I won't destroy you today because there would be no reason for me to destroy you. Because you've got what you want. You wanted me to leave. I'm off the the planet. So he gets on the spaceship and he takes off. And then that is the end. So now everybody's like, Silver Surfer, you told us he was a bad guy all along. And now you come and um, and you save us. So you are now the new god that we're all going to worship. And Silver Surfer is, is like, no, I didn't want this. I just wanted to let them know that, you know, that he was bad and that, you know, <laughs> that, that he was bad and shouldn't be worshipped. That's all I wanted to do. <clears throat> but Silver Surfer uh, gets before the United Nations and he starts talking and he's like, we are visited by two beings from outer space. One mistakenly treated as a god. The, oh, th- oh, this is human. I'm sorry. This is a human talking. One treated as god. The other are everlasting uh, shame. We, uh, we scorned and vilified. And we have seen the light. It is he who calls himself Silver Surfer, who is the true savior of the stars. And then Silver Surfer says, No, you are wrong. You must place no man above another. Again, that holds homespun wisdom. The spirit of divinity is in all, or else in none. And then the humanity starts talking. How humbly speaks... He is the essence of true holiness. If not a God, he surely is a saint. We must He must lead us, guide us. We shall be your disciples. So again, humanity can't listen. They're not listening to his words. They're just saying like he's, they don't even understand what he's saying. So Silver service starts thinking. It is madness. They thirst for leadership as a child thirsts for his mother's milk. Surely this is why they so often fall prey to tyrants and despots. Why cannot they realize that the truest faith is faith of oneself? What has made them so desperate to have others show them the way? There's only one way to teach them, though it means becoming an outcast again. And yet it is a small enough price to pay. So this is how Silver Surfer is going to to teach humanity. Very well. I accept your homage and your offer. I shall... Advise you and guide you, and yea, even lead you to the path, and yea, even lead you to the path of glory. But first, you shall hear my terms. My every command is to be obeyed without question, my every whim is grat- to be gratified, my every desire fulfilled. One third of each nation's wealth shall be sat- set aside for my personal use. use. I shall not be subject by any man made law. And shall rise when I deign to appear, none may speak without assessment. Now everybody starts now everybody starts hearing Silver Surfer and thinking this man has changed. So they start saying, He's changed. He runs like a madman. He is power mad. No different than anyone else. He makes Galactus seem like Mother Teresa. Uh, you've said enough. I think you better leave. <laughs> so so there's almost a riot. But in this crowd of the United Nations, where everybody's yelling and screaming at him, there's a man in the middle who's saying, no, don't listen to him. He doesn't mean what he says. And Silver Surfer can see this man. And he says, it's uh, Colton, Colton Caldwell. His cry will be lost in the din. No mob has ever heeded a lone voice of reason. But I best be off before the violence sets in. And Colton starts saying, again, Colton is the one who was the the former apprentice, the former voice of Galactus, He says, don't do it, server, stay with us. We need you now more than ever. Mankind is mad. You're our last hope. It's too late. He's gone. Why? Why did you do it? You could have had it all. You could have been a god, a god, and you threw it all away. And the tragedy of it is, we don't deserve it. And then in the the final page of this is that I ride my board. This is Surfer Surfer, alone again, out in the space. And he says, I ride my board. It matters not how far. It matters not how fast. I have no destination. I go where the winds carry me, or where winds and chance carry me. I have known the heady exhilaration of victory. I have known the gnawing pang pains of defeat. But I shall never cease searching for an oasis of sanity in this desert of madness that is men call earth for the worst fate of all amidst countless worlds and endless stars is to be forever alone. The end. Again, parable, powerful, really great writing from Stanley. Uh, you know, and you don't get to read a lot of Stanley anymore. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, both of the creators of this book have passed Stanley and Mobius. um, but he, even like in the last couple of decades, like Stanley has not been writing a lot of uh, anything. And I'm, the only last written stuff that he put out, I remember, was the 20, 2099, the Ravage 2099, which was a Stanley written comic book. Uh, and it would have uh, other people doing the art. And I remember I bought the first few issues, and I'm like, this is bad. This is bit Stanley bad. He did do those. Um, what if Stanley did the DC universe? Those were pretty good, but the the Ravage stuff was terrible. And again, it could be that I think Stanley was falling out of love with comics, uh, you know, in his fifties and sixties, uh, and uh, he didn't want to be known as Stanley the comic writer. He he in interviews he's always said that he wanted to be known as as more of a, a writer of like books, you know, of prose, uh, and. I think he started, so maybe like he wasn't putting in. He was kind of mailing in those ravaged twenty ninety nine uh, comics. I think, but if you go back, if you ever have the opportunity to go back and read his original Fantastic Four stuff, his uh, Peter Parker specifically Spider Man stuff, um, great, great, great writing. You know, very. Uh, it's it's a product of its time, so you have to you know, give it that. It was the sixties, and some of the language that he uses is, is you know. Is, is is product of its time. But overall, you know, very uh great and pithy writing. Um I I'm luckily we talked about this another podcast before. In the eighties, um Marvel used to put out Marvel Tales, which was basically reprints of the entirety of the Spider Man comic series from Stan Lee uh, you know, writing it and uh Ditko doing the artwork. And uh, I was able to, I got, I didn't get it from the beginning, but I was able to get most of the uh, Marvel Tales. And, and I think they did reprints up until issue 200, and then they stopped doing Marvel Tales altogether because it was getting caught up with modern times at that point. And Stanley wasn't writing it anymore. But I, I had the opportunity to read those books again. They also did the same thing with uh, Classic X-Men, where you, I never got the opportunity to read, because they didn't have trades back then in the 80s. So this is my only opportunity of reading uh, Clarence Claremont and John Byrne's run of X-Men and Stan Lee and Steve Ditko's run of uh, Spider-Man. And I love those books. Those books were fantastic. So if you, um, if you ever you want to really sample of Stan Lee's stuff, read his Silver Surfer stuff. Read this parable. Read his other hardcover books that he's done. Sal Buscema, I think, or John Buscema um, did one. And I think I uh, ha- have a couple of those. That I will maybe be doing a future podcast with, and um, and go read his uh Sp- Spider Man, Fantastic Four, all that other great stuff, all the early stuff that he put put out there. But anyways, I'm it's it's getting end, uh, it's getting late in the day, so it's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening to me today. And uh, as always, we, um, if you want to listen to this podcast and any other podcasts that we've recorded, you can always go to comicsmisremember at comicsmisremembered.com. You can listen to the podcast directly there, or you can get the links, which is uh, we have a a partnership with Anchor, and they host our podcast there too. (coughs) You can also get our social media links. Uh, You can get our links for uh, Twitter. That's one of those things that we do that I have that uh, Donald Trump doesn't have. (laughs) And uh, you can also get Facebook links there and um, Instagram. Uh, and as always, if you like this podcast, come back in seven, we'll be doing another one. Have a good night and see you in a week.